I hate to go all technical on you, but all hands on deck, swirly thing alert! Attention! Listen, you motherfuckers. Buckle up, pedal heads. You're experiencing the Lotus Effect with Phoenix and Phone Boy. Oh Talking. my god! It's very creepy. Just a little weird. Maybe it'll catch on, who knows. It is out of sheer morbid curiosity. I'm allowing this freak show to continue. How do you fix that, though? Take a big step back and literally suck my dick. Do I have your attention? Send your dick pics. <laughs> are you interested? I know you are, because it's fuck or walk. You're shitting me. Have you made your decision for Christ? To tell you the truth, I don't give a shit. I would not say such things if I were you. Who the fuck are you? Phone Boy and Phoenix. I don't know, Phone Boy. They're fucking nuts! But they don't know shit about fuck, clearly. You're talking peak no agenda right there, everybody. That's true. And welcome to episode 45 of The Lotus Effect, where the show is made up and the content doesn't matter. I, of course, am Phone Boy. So we finally (laughs) met the man whose shit doesn't stink. Yeah! And I'm Phoenix. Let me start this off by clearly stating that I'm better than everyone. And yeah, with today being September 11th, there seems to be only one appropriate topic to cover. WTC said it won't go away. Yeah, we're not doing that because we're not sheep. No, we're Uh, wolves. And we're going to do something a little different. So we're going to discuss our favorite conspiracy theories that aren't 9-11. You know, there's there are those there are those theories that do it. And actually, you know, it's something I should have done before I started here because we're gonna we're actually gonna do something a little different today. We're all we're gonna we are gonna try this whole live call-in thing that we've that's got. Right. We, we've got our own. We hear all the cool kids are doing it. That's right. So I actually have to turn off the. Uh, I have to turn this off and make sure this all works. Uh, yeah. So we are actually gonna do. A, we're gonna we're gonna take your calls. We've got our, we've got our own favorite conspiracy theories that are talked about that are not nine eleven. That's that's the right. Thing is because nine everybody we expect everybody to do nine eleven. That, that's just that just goes without the territory. So, um, but um, we would uh, certainly encourage you to call in and uh, and share your favorite conspiracy theories. I have the phone lines live now uh, at two five three two three seven three three two one. We can't wait to hear from you uh to hear your to hear your thing and uh also remind you that we are part of the value for value network here that uh uh you know we love your uh we love your satoshis we love your fiat fund coupons and uh, if you go to lotuseffect.show you can see uh the uh you can see the buttons that we like money we also if you have a uh, a, a podcasting 2.0 app uh and and know how to uh, stream satoshis to us uh, we'll take it um that's and, right and we've and we've got to right now we've got two donations and i can see that one came in live during the show so it did uh, i'm so excited c dubs c dubs 1010 we appreciate it that's right so boost bitches says c dubs yeah and uh, last night during our uh studio 33 after party we got a three three thirty three thirty three uh boost from boosty steed or bully steed that's right uh we and we love you both uh so i appreciate y'all uh uh sending your value to value to us um yeah just make sure we don't want your shit. Please, Please don't send us your shit. Yeah, but we'll. T- but yeah, I mean, we'll take shit in the in the form of you know ribbing and trolling and that kind of thing. But, That's right. And well, also, don't forget two five three two three seven three three two one. Call in live and tell us about your favorite conspiracy theory. That's another way you can, you know, give back some of the value that we're giving to y'all today. One ringy thingy. 
too ringy dingy. Yeah, Ernestine isn't standing by, but Google Voice will answer. And, and it's uh, if you're, as I say, if you're listening on the Lotus Effect stream of the No Agenda stream live, give us a call right now, and you can be on the show. Uh, you can interrupt us from our from our thinking, and we've got stuff to talk about here that you guys may want to weigh in on anyway. So we, we'd, love, right. we'd love to hear from you. Uh, so uh, if you're voice shy, you can also uh, text and picture message uh, as appropriate. Um, and uh, yeah, so. Um, so that's where we're at, and we're going to see how things go. Now, today we're going to talk about, I almost call it my first conspiracy theory. I'd, say, I'd probably say a lot of America's first conspiracy theory. Yeah, very uh, possible. And we want to recognize Nurse Elise with a 55-55 saying she's got a great Helen Keller theory. I'd love to hear it. I yeah. love me some conspiracy yeah, I gotta, theories. I gotta, so call 253-237-3321, Nurse Elise. We want to hear about yeah, it. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So we're, gonna, we're getting some good boosts in here. Love this. Uh, That's so, right. See Brooklyn coming in with the nine one 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 says never forget. Oh, and we and we're getting calls. This is awesome. Oh, yes. Let's see who we got here. All right, uh, we're gonna we're gonna see how this works. Hello, caller. You're on the air with Phoenix and Phoneboy. Hi, it's it's uh, Chris here, aka Skidmark. Hey, hey, what's up? What's up, brother? What's going on? Long time no see. Yeah, exactly. We talked on Thursday. That was a, we actually we had a had a uh, sort of an impromptu uh, uh, you know uh, podcast on Thursday um, that we tur- it turned out we were uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Booberry was the real star of the show. We just sort of we were of course something happened to him. You know, can neither confirm nor deny that my you know. your handlers definitely had something to do with it. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure of it. Yeah, there you go. So uh, we know how this works. Oh. So I, I I don't think I'm I'm not I'm no dummy. I know what you guys are doing here. We you you you, you got ten minutes into nine eleven to New Pearl Harbor and you thought this is just too long. We're gonna talk about anything but nine eleven. <laughs> Well, you know, everybody talks about 9-11. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I want to actually answer honestly to how this actually happened. We were, by all all admittance, we were going to do 9-11. And I woke up a couple days ago and I just completely flipped shit because I'm sick and tired of hearing about 9-11. It did touch my life personally. I had a girlfriend who that morning was put on an airplane out of Boston Logan Airport and we didn't know if it was one of the planes at the time that had gone down until she got to Chirac and called and said they were putting her on a bus to come back to Connecticut. And I had friends who lost friends. I was on standby to go to New York for recovery because I was working in EMS at the time. And I just... Something in me snapped the other morning and I said, you know what? I can't do another fucking 9-11 show. We're going to do anything but 9-11. No disrespect to anyone who lost their lives. But there are plenty of people who've talked about the conspiracy of 9-11. We thought it had definitely been been done and we it's didn't want to be a sheep, like we said. So, ow, we're going to be a wolf on this one and, and go our own way. So tell us, what is your favorite conspiracy theory? Like the the one that's the most plausible or just the most fun? Uh, whichever one you. What, what your favorite? Your one. favorite? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're we're not above uh, taking taking the low road, man. Uh, the most fun one is probably either lizard people or flat earth. Um, but I don't really <laughs> believe in flat earth. I believe space is fake and gay, but the earth is probably a pear shape or something. No, we don't know. I well, mean, we all know space is the final frontier, and it's made in a Hollywood basement. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Dream. Yeah, I agree. No, I'm I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of like one that would maybe be like more fun than those, but 
I like to like trolling people by telling them I believe the Earth is flat because it pisses people off. They're especially like NASA fanboys and stuff. Which you're you're you, it's surprising how many people just eat, gobble up all the crap NASA puts out and think it's real. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because you know, trust but verify seems to be a concept that's a little too a little too vague for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess yeah. Lizard people, flat Earth mixed together. Call that my favorite. Yeah. I'm liking it. Yeah, I'm liking that. Well, so um, yeah. Is there, is it? Wait a minute. Isn't the Podfather a flat earther? That's a good question. Yeah, uh, he 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 believes in the, what the firmament. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but they got into it on Hog Story a little bit. Oh yeah, of course. Um, I also like the just the uh, the mud flood type stuff and and the the there's this guy named Howdy. I forget his last name, but OEDM had him on, and he goes into how. And there's a lot of other people that cover this, how the, the World's Fair was kind of a a, um, a ruse or a, a scam almost to get everybody basically on board worldwide with a, res- a great reset, historically speaking, to where they put the nail in the coffin of anything even close to Atlantis or advanced civilizations in the past and buried all that history from us. Stuff that only probably the Freemasons and Illuminati know about at this point. But, uh, yeah, I like, I like the alternate... Um, Alternate history timeline, uh, advanced civilizations, conspiracy theory. I think there's enough proof there that it's, there was definitely something going on. I mean, obviously, we got the fucking pyramids. There's some. There's, there's enough proof of advanced civilizations back in the day. So, but yeah, oh, I'll let you guys go and clear up your phone line. Love y'all. Uh, no, we love you. Yeah, Thank we, you for sharing. Yeah, thanks for calling in, Sir I, I agree here. with that. Yeah, well, uh, well, I'm sure we'll get some other calls in here and get some other ideas. And yeah, we're, yeah, hopefully we're, yeah, this, we should, we would, yeah. I mean, it's funny because I did. I will say one sort of 9/11 meme that I can relate to, and I will, I will, I'll just say this because I owned the game for this. The, the game Illuminati New World Order. It predicted both the bombing of the Pentagon and WTC in, in the in the in the Twin Towers falling. It, it's printed yep. on cards. I mean, it's not a. Yeah. Well, okay. So yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb on this one. Yeah. Maybe call it a rabbit hole if you want to. But yeah. I mean, I know you all have heard, and maybe some of you believe in the fact that, like, how many times have the Simpsons predicted shit like Kobe Bryant dying? Oh, in oh and we get, a, we get another call. We get another call. Well, all right. There from, we go. A, from a from a from a zip code I don't uh, I don't know. Hello, caller. Hello, You're caller? on the air with Phoenix and Phone Boy. Hey, hey, how's it going, fellow, fellow conspiracy theorist? Yeah, we we are. We yes, are. we are. We're conspiracy therapists, says the Podfather. Yeah, that's that's what we that's what he says. So, uh, uh, so what is your favorite conspiracy theory, caller? Oh, for sure, I would say the context of it is Trump saying that people should drink bleach against COVID. Do you guys remember that? How? Oh, holy remember, shit. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all the all the lizard media and all those comebacks kind of making fun of it. Well, actually, there is a kernel of truth. And my favorite conspiracy theory is the suppression of the universal antidote, also known as chlorine dioxide, which on the side could be used as bleach. But if you want to be rigorous about it, you would call it oxidative therapy. So way to learn about this for all the listeners is uh, just Googling something called the universal antidote. I personally have taken it many, many times, and I know that there are people in jail, this guy named Mark Lennon, uh, he's sitting in jail for giving it free to people. So it's kind of like one of those typical big pharma suppressing, suppressing cures, but this one is actually real, 
and has a lot of depth. I've given it to many people. I've given it to animals. And it's something that is free to make. So there is something really heartwarming about it. Well, yeah, that's interesting. That is interesting. Uh, you should, uh, if you, if you're, if you're in the chat, or you drop a link to it. I'd actually be interested in. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, yeah, let's so that we can uh, see what's going on. Right. Whether, whether it's the No Agenda chat or Lotus Effect, I'll try and, uh, I'll try and pull it up and, and throw it in the show notes because I think that's a. Uh, yeah, we're, we're we're good with. We're open to any conspiracy theories. We are Switzerland as far as we are definitely willing to hear. You know what what people have because you know that's awesome. <laughs> as as we often say, you know the the difference between a conspiracy theory and the truth is about three months. Yeah, that's, and that, and that timeline's yeah. shrinking too. Yes, it is. So. Yeah. Well, I enjoy that this one. I valid, I validated personally, so I didn't have to go to the rabbit hole. I actually I actually put it in my body and verified it first firsthand. So where so, are you calling so, from, caller? I am from Mexico, but I'm in Silicon Valley. Oh, okay. California, gotcha. Yeah, didn't recognize the area code. There's, a, you know, it's, it's just kind of a, it's a funny thing. You know, of course, th- these days, does area codes matter? I mean, because I've moved halfway across the country and I still got a phone number that says I, uh, I live in the, the Pacific Northwest. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to. Oh, sure. Yeah, I have a Connecticut. I have a Connecticut phone. Okay, that's Sorry what. The, okay, that's what the that's what the zip. Oh, that the area you know code what? Is. Yeah. If yeah. I had seen that because I'm from Connecticut, I would have been like, oh, that's Connecticut. I could have told you that in an instant, but I can't see your computer screen, so. Yeah, well, there you go. There you go. Even though we're sitting right next to each other. You know, details, technicalities, those things. Okay, the fact I'm getting older and I'm getting blind and probably need a stronger prescription, don't you dare sh- geriatric shame me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. All right, um, so is there any other, do you have any other uh, favorite conspiracy theories? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the other classic one, I would say, is the suppression of the fact that non-ionizing radiation causes oxidative stress. Right now, all the normies and the sheep and the government and the CDC would tell you that radiation coming from your Wi-Fi router and your cell phone and so on has no biological effects, that only X-ray type of radiation, meaning ionizing radiation, has effects. And that's just like blatantly not true. Oh, right? it's completely like, it's, not it's true. Easy, easy to verify. So, so we are kind of like good stepping into mass sterility, mass autoimmunity, mass dehydration with this 5G bullshit. So, so I'm really enjoying that. That's a little bit more doom pill than, than chlorine dioxide, the universal antidote. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, but awesome. you know what? I, I actually do subscribe to that, that, you know, ever since 5G came out, people have been screaming and hollering about how, you know, it's given people brain cancer. And I think there might be actually some validity to the fact that the 5G is impacting the amount of cancer. Of course, you know, all the sugar people are intaking, as we've talked about before, you know, and the fact that cancer feeds on sugar. No, that couldn't have any culmination, y'all. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Makes well, a lot of sense. That sugar business. God bless you guys. All right. Th- th- Thanks thank so you, much. caller. Well, have a great one. All right. We're gonna go. All right. We, we've we've calmed that one down. Jeez. Uh, who knew? We prepared all this content. We we may have uh, we may have callers calling. Well, we we are gonna fill in with some content because we we are gonna start with my favorite conspiracy theory, and uh, I, I think the best way to start. Oh, oh, we have another call. Oh, here we go. Let's see. Let's see. Hold. As I say, I'm gonna pick pick one of these. Uh, I don't know. I've got okay. So I've only got one call here. So hello, caller. You're on the air with the uh, something. Why is, is that still? Hi, this is Nurse Elise. Oh, hi, Nurse Elise. Nurse Elise. 
Okay, I don't know. Something. I'm getting calls all over the place what here. The I world need, is going on? I, I know. I need to turn on Do Not Disturb or something. This is always oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's Do Not Disturb. Ah, it'll eventually oh, stop. Yay! Now we can actually hear you. Now, now we so can actually. Yeah, because the problem is we were getting because we're getting two calls at the same time. It doesn't quite work that way. We got popular. All of a yeah, sudden, I know. So, Nurse Elise, it's nice I to hear from you. So, what's your favorite conspiracy theory? So, my favorite conspiracy theory is one that I was drunk, hanging out by myself, thinking of. I think that Helen Keller is a liar. I don't think that she actually learned to read and write. I mean, how do you teach a deaf, blind, and mute person words well enough to write books and speeches that she did in her lifetime? Like, I'm convinced that it was her mom and her handler lady who claimed to have taught her all this stuff that just... That's completely plausible. Yeah. And and I okay so I actually this okay this is something I have actual experience with because uh, so I'm actually so I'm actually going to cooperate your you know your theory on this because I knew a guy when I was um, when I was in high school I knew a guy who was uh, deaf and blind the only now he was a ham radio operator and he, and of course you know he he was also in a wheelchair or whatever but the way you talk to him is either through um, through Morse code so I get, he did learn how to you know communicate and he could and he had, so he, he mm-hmm. could work enough to actually have a key. Uh, to you know, go back and forth and, and you know and, and do and do that, but and he could talk, but that was so. But I think you know, it, but reading and writing, yeah, that's a whole different skill set. I mean, it's you know, you could and the way you could write to him, he had to, you had to have a you 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 put his hand over a braille typewriter and you could. That's how I would communicate to him if you didn't communicate through whatever. So I mean, I mean, I guess maybe you could do something, but it just it, it just kind of goes outside of the realm of plausibility. I mean, I just I think that's it's yeah, yeah. trying to write a book just seems crazy. Yeah, and think about the time frame in which we're dealing. It, it's extremely plausible. I've never actually thought about this, but I have to say, there's definitely there's definitely some some meat to that. Yeah, and like I definitely think she learned some form of communication. But like, are you telling me she learned how to use like adverbs properly? You know, and like form complex sentences. Yeah, I know people who are uh, not deaf nor blind who can't damn well do that. So, yeah, it's definitely a stretch. I'd say the the, the left half of America, maybe, potentially. Well, basically, anyone who's not in the no-agenda community, we can pretty much uh, assume is relatively illiterate or at least indoctrinated if i may say so uh family members of no agenda community who are just too afraid to believe uh excluded yeah exactly definitely do you have any uh conspiracy theories dan no i don't i think you covered it Sam. All right, Dan. Dan doesn't have anything to add. Hi, Nam. We love you too. Yeah, we, we love you guys. Appreciate appreciate you uh, calling in and uh, sharing your. Yeah, this that's, that's right. I, I like this one. Yeah, I, I mean, like so far it. I've liked all that has come at us. Exactly. So, I, yeah, I'm glad we've done all this work to prepare in case nobody called in, and we're getting people calling in. This is great. So, um, so yeah, well, uh, thank, thanks for. <laughs> yeah, thank yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, it. Thanks, Elise. Uh, yeah, uh, guys, th- yeah thanks uh thanks nam for uh for uh, chiming in in the background there and uh, yeah all right 
All right, there you go. <laughs> There's that. Okay, so uh, I'm I'm going to guess a call. If I guess if we keep talking, the call's going to come in here. Uh, Do, are you un uh, unblocking things? Yeah, I, I didn't end up blocking anything because I couldn't figure out how to unblock it. So oh, I got you. But there was somebody that called in. Now here we oh, go. Now we get now we get the call in. Hello, caller. You're on the air with Phoenix and Phone Boy. In the pod. Hey. Hey. Hey, Billy Bones. How's it going? I'd like to share my uh, my favorite conspiracy theory. Nice. And uh, it's about a guy that came up with an invention, you know, one of these green inventions, you know, something to uh, deal with peak oil so that way we wouldn't have to rely on places like, you know, the OPEC agreements to bring in oil and gasoline so that way we can drive our vehicles. And this guy, to look up his name, I just saw it too. Uh, this guy figured out how to make internal combustion engines run on water through a process of uh, hydrolysis where it separates the oxygen and the hydrogen molecules out of hydrogen. And he wanted to go around and make this happen, but, you know, he's short on money. So he starts talking to some bigwigs, some venture capitalists, to bring this to fruition. He wants wants to save the world. He's being green. He's being efficient. And... uh, no one's no one's willing to take this deal from them because they understand that it's going to wipe out the oil industry. And uh, we know how oil execs and you know rich people really enjoy their money. They don't really want to just let that go. And so uh, he tried and tried, kept it and shot down. And so eventually he he finally gets a phone call of some guy who's like, you know, I'll meet you. You know, let's let's talk over coffee. We'll go to this diner. We'll. You know, let's discuss this idea. I want to make this happen. And so this individual, again, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name, meets up with this guy at this uh, this diner. And they're talking, and he's telling him about how to make this car run on hydro, uh, hydrogen and just water and, you know, how it's going to save the world. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, for whatever whatever's happening at this conversation at this table, he runs outside and starts screaming at everybody that they poisoned him. They poisoned me. They poisoned me. They took me out. They don't want me. And uh, we don't have cars that want run on water because this guy didn't share his patent. Yeah. Well, you know what? That that um, when you when you were describing this, it reminds me. It's a plot point in a particular novel. By Ayn Rand. Yeah, yeah. If you remember the guy that one one of the um, one of the guys in the book, um, yeah, he he worked for one of the motor companies and basically came up with something like this. Now, granted, this was fiction in the '40s, right? And that's when that's when uh, Ayn Rand wrote that book. But when I heard that story, I'm like, oh, it kind of reminds me of Atlas Shrugged. Um, and they thought he was crazy, but you know, I mean, is it plausible? Yeah, certainly. I think it's plausible that that could that that's a, that's a thing. And yeah, if, if you if you get the oil industry out, you know, then yeah, uh, that that's a that's a source of control of every because everybody's got access to water. Although there's, you know, there's definitely been some things where they've tried to control access to water. Uh, you know, it's like you can't you can't own the water that falls on your own land. Yeah, that's, that's something like that. Just sounds kind of well. It's like air rights. Exactly. It's kind of the same idea. So. Um, no. The perpetual I mean, motion ideas. I think Eminem said it best that, you know, he has enough money to make someone who has nothing go out and commit murder or something along those lines. Yeah, pretty much. Money so. can truly buy anything except happiness. Yeah. But it can exactly. rent it yeah. one hour at a time. Yeah, each man has his price, Bob. Yours is pretty low. That was a, yeah, there uh, you go. That's right. So. Yeah, so. All right. Well, thank you very much. 
Thank uh, you, Billy Bones. Thanks for Billy Bones. All right. Bye. Here we go. Nice. Here we are. We've got our we've got our conspiracies in here. Um, we're loving it. We're loving this. This is fantastic. So keep keep the keep them coming in. Although I think we might um, we might g- we're we're gonna dive into into my conspiracy theory because I'm I've been asked to go first today. Yes, you have been, and we have a clip to lead into this. So phone boy, if you would ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Now, we've decided to dedicate this episode to one of the greatest presidents our country's ever had. I uh, have had plenty of time to reflect on my days in the White House. In all important respects, I believe I did a good job. It was right to plan to pull out of Vietnam, uh, to fight for civil rights, and uh, to fight Congress uh, to put a man on the moon. It was uh, wrong, however, to uh, act like an irresponsible jackass with all those women and allow my enemies to wreak havoc on our nation. Now, on November 22nd, 1963, President John F. Kennedy was fatally shot in the head while riding in an unprotected limo in Dealey Plaza in Dallas, Texas. This much is certain, but anything else in the way of facts has been a matter of much debate over the years. You see the crowd pushing in from the side of the street. You see people hanging out of the windows. He's riding in a limo that doesn't have a scrap of armor on it. The bubble isn't on there, but of course the bubble wasn't bulletproof or bullet resistant. Looking back, there were very few precautions in terms of protecting him from those crowds. I think that's true. I don't think a president will ever travel as unprotected as Kennedy did that that day in Dallas. I want to know, first and foremost, okay, why was the bubble that was supposed to be on the presidential limo, one, why wasn't it built to be bulletproof, let alone bullet resistant, why was it not on the car? Now, I've heard that it was because it was hot in Dallas that day, and it was for his comfort. I'm not really sure I totally believe that. You know, why, you know, why were not all hands on deck with the president being as vulnerable without having that bubble on when he was in that limo? Why was every possible Secret Service man not within enough of a distance where once things went tits up, they could protect the president. Okay. Ooh, could it possibly be that the bubble would have caused a glare, which would have prevented Oswald from making the fatal shot? Oh, wait, he didn't. Yeah. Because he was behind the president. But we'll get into that later. That's right. Um, but uh, you know something. You know something. You um, you know it's like okay. Well, you know if they didn't have uh, any you know sort of physical protection, what about the number of uh, Secret Service agents? Because you, you you figured that the Secret Service would be all over protecting the president. Well, you yeah. would think. You would think. At that time, there were two hundred Secret Service agents nationwide, and only about. 34 that protected President Kennedy on a, on a full-time basis. By comparison, today we have uh, 3,200 Secret Service agents. In other words, the Secret Service has grown 16 times since the day of the Kennedy assassination. So you have to take that into consideration. They simply did not have the manpower to effectively guard every rooftop, every window. Okay, a mere 35 Secret Service agents guarding the motorcade and no one shields the president why why were there not more personnel 
And why weren't all the buildings not cleared and sealed along the route that he was to be taking? That's what I want to know. Yeah. So we got that. Down Main Street, right on Houston, left on Elm, past the Texas School Book Depository. Now, the parade route was changed last minute. And for what rational reason, if not for it to be a setup that was perpetrated by our own government, by our own vice president at the time, LBJ, no protection for the president. They didn't clear the buildings before he was allowed to pass by. Am I the only one who thinks this reeks of a conspiracy? Yeah. Always looking around, looking at the crowd on the left and... Uh, Adamus was a overpass, and I could see nothing wrong. And then I heard this explosive noise over my right shoulder. So I started to turn toward it to see if I could identify it, because it, it didn't really sound like a rifle shot. It sounded more like a firecracker or something. There was some echo because of the buildings around there. But when I started to turn to my right to get to the point where I could see what it was, my vision crossed the back of the president's car. And then all of a sudden he grabbed at his throat and he started to fall to his left. I knew then it was a rifle shot. So that's when I jumped from the car and started to run. Yeah, okay, I get it. You know, when I heard this clip, because I, of course I helped pull the clips for this, um, you know, I'm thinking to myself, okay, so why did this douchebag like not jump on Jackie O the minute the shot was fired? Because isn't, isn't that what Circuit Service is supposed to do in that situation? That's what I was under the impression of. I mean, seriously, Secret Service members are highly trained military personnel who are supposed to, okay, we're supposed to believe, okay, that you're a highly trained military personnel, but you don't recognize the sound of a gunshot. And when you hear something that you think could maybe possibly be a firecracker, as the president is, is you know, passing by stuff, and no, no thought that you need to jump on the president or someone should get the president to get down because after that first gunshot his wound was not fatal he could have survived being shot through the throat the way that he was so secret service botched that on a large scale yeah well it's not just the secret service it's kind of yeah i mean this is there's some there's some stuff in this i mean it's there there is um you know, I think we, I think we, yeah, I mean, we were looking through this. It's like there's a, you know, there's a bullet hole in the windshield with a, you know, with an, oh, with an yeah. Op- yeah. It, I, I find it very interesting that it's an, there's an obvious impact pattern consistent with a front to back trajectory and they've denied and downplayed it like, oh, it was just a nick or this or that. You know, could it be that, uh, you know, the ironclad proof was there and that there was more than one shooter? No, we can't possibly entertain that because that would fuck up the narrative. Yeah, and there was definitely a narrative. This was, you know, and, and you know, what's interesting. So, oh, yeah. You know, we got, so we got, we got the doctor we, that, that was, you know, the supposedly uh, Dr. Robert McClellan, who was the, you know. He guess, was the doctor uh, uh, in emergency one that day yeah. that attended to President Kennedy along with a Dr. Malcolm Perry. Yeah, exactly. So we, we've got a few clips to play from this jabroni. In, in the, yeah, and he, and please feel jabroni. free to form your own opinion about this guy. Yeah, exactly. Listen closely, well, no know, agenda. We often hear stories about terrible things that have happened, and it turns out they're not quite as bad uh, as we thought they were when we get actually see the case right. in the emergency room. 
So with that, the doors of the elevator came open, and I walked out around a little corner room into the big area called the pit in the middle of the emergency room, and I saw this large crowd of men in business suits all wearing hats. Back in those days, everybody wore a hat. And as I stood there, uh, I thought I'd never seen a crowd of people like that in the emergency room many times I'd been there. And so as I stood there for a moment, the crowd spontaneously parted uh, so that I could see about probably 40 or 50 feet through the little corridor that was made by that crowd parting to four rooms off the back of the emergency room, trauma room one, two, three, and four. And sitting outside of trauma room one uh, in that hallway was Mrs. Kennedy in a folding chair, sitting there quietly uh, holding her bag. And, you know, I thought myself, my goodness, this is just exactly what they said. I had to literally force myself to continue walking back toward her. Okay, so... You know, when we're yeah, when we're listening to this, it's like this sounds like a really rehearsed story, right? Yeah, I mean, the cadence this guy has reminds me of a little kid telling a rehearsed story that he's gone over and over in the mirror, so that when his dad comes home and he has to fess up to what he did, he'll have his story down cold, so that maybe he won't get into as much trouble. That's just the feel that I got from listening to this man. Yeah, and and here, okay, and you get credit for pulling this one out when we're when we're playing this. This is this is a classic. This is classically something we we see on No Agenda all the time. The boys will play a clip, uh, you know, of of some guy being asked a question and then well not answering the question and so let us know what you think when you say force yourself were you feeling anxiety or well i don't know what i would call it certainly it was um you know something almost unexplainable but it was uh i didn't know first of all i knew that several of my friends on the faculty uh were out probably this was at lunch at noontime were out somewhere having lunch and I knew my chief of surgery, Dr. Tom Shires, was a visiting professor in Galveston at the University of Texas Medical Branch down there. So I thought to myself, as I walked toward Mrs. Kennedy, I may be the senior, quote-unquote, faculty person here. You know, even though there were a lot of resident physicians and interns around, I may be the senior. It was my second year on the surgery faculty at Southwestern Medical School. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Okay, so the thing that bugs me about this clip is the fact that anybody out there, if you've ever experienced a very intense emotional situation, you know exactly what emotion at that very moment that you were feeling when the shit hit the fan, okay? His response to this question is a clear example of a chafe and redirect by someone who's heavily rehearsed on the diversion tactic. You know what I'm saying? It's it's kind of like the name, rank, and serial number rhetoric. He's he's repeated it so many times that it's almost like he's built a new memory and could actually pass a lie detector test about the bullshit that he's saying. Yeah, and actually, okay, so, and I think I may have taken the same clip twice. That's why it's in, it looks like it's in there twice because 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 that's what I remember the, uh, you know, being, you know, he's, um, being that, yeah, he was the senior staff. Now, the point I would make about this, and, and, I, and I heard this, I'm like, oh, so they picked a t- so they purposely picked a time where they knew the staff would be very short because they lunchtime, right? And they said, okay, I heard this, and I'm like, oh, so they picked 
they picked a time where they 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 probably handpicked who was actually in you know in the hospital at the time, right? Um, and they and they picked short staff and they picked a very junior, uh, make sure very junior staff was there that could be very influenced. Coincidence? I think not. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, because you're fresh. I mean, first of all, med school is expensive as hell, and you get some you know suit from a three letter agency we all know and loathe talking in your ear about look you know you didn't you didn't see this you didn't see that you didn't do this you didn't do that you keep your mouth shut we set you for life yeah, ultimately that, and that's ultimately what they did and so um you know and then i think that they they literally write the the script for you and and you memorize it as if it really happened that's how that works yeah. we all know it yeah so Okay, here's what's interesting though. So there's a lot of, um, you know, I think the, the next clip. So there, this is so this is after he comes down the elevator, and they, you know, and then they, you know, he he actually sees uh, the president, um, and I think it's important to listen to this clip because it, it, what he's doing, what he's saying, and what he's doing, there's a huge disconnect between those two things, and I think we we're going to get into that. The very first thing that was done when the president came into the emergency room. Dr. James Carrico, who subsequently became the chief of our department, was just a first-year resident in surgery in charge of the emergency room. And so he's the very first physician who saw the president as he was rolled into the emergency room from his car. And he saw the distress that he was in breathing, so he immediately took a laryngoscope, Dr. Carrico did, put it into the president's mouth, and inserted an endotracheal tube into the president's trachea like anesthesiologists do when they're beginning to, you know, give anesthesia and connected him to a ventilator, a breathing machine, and then rolled him on back into trauma room one. And I think the reason Malcolm, well, I know the reason Malcolm was doing the tracheotomy, even though he had control of his airway with the tube that had been put in by Dr. Carrico, was to get more certain uh, control uh, by making a permanent or semi-permanent at least opening in the neck and into the windpipe to put in a tracheotomy tube so that the endotracheal tube could be removed because there are a lot of complications that can occur if the endotracheal tube is left in uh, very long. I find this extremely odd. And, and I'm going to start with a few things, not the least of which is the neck wound that Kennedy had from being shot would have made the tracheotomy absolutely difficult, if not impossible, due to massive tissue damage. And the claims that he was breathing when he arrived are highly questionable and debunkable through science and anatomy. And even if they had successfully completed that tracheotomy the fact that the first bullet that entered his body which came from behind nicked his lung causing a pneumothorax because it nicked the pleura so anyone who knows anything about you know science and medicine knows that even with having established that airway you weren't going to keep that airway no matter what you did. No. But I, I just find it really, I mean, if you look at the photos, and we will be including the photos in the show notes, as well as a photo of the caliber of bullet 
one that was found known as the magic bullet Mm -hmm. that was found on the stretcher, completely pristine, which after having gone through two different bones, uh, anybody who knows anything about guns, uh, that's a hot, fresh load of bullshit. But you'll be able to see the photos and see that the damage that was done would have made the claims of this doctor seem extremely yeah, far-fetched. Even, yeah, and even if you look at the official photos, it's still, it's like something doesn't add up here. And it's, and, and okay, now I gotta, pl- we gotta play this clip, because this is, this is a, a serious, and, and it's funny because, so I got, so I had to go find this clip, right? And this was because, 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 uh, Phoenix had heard it, and then when we listened to it again, we're like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, like we got even, a double shot. We, we got a double shot. We, we I discovered the first thing, and then we listened to it again and went, "Holy shit, this is a twofer!" Yeah. So it, it, anybody, just, is, and I'm is, hoping Nurse Elise is still listening. When you hear this clip, I, I, I'm hoping that you will weigh in on how absolutely fucking dumb this doctor is. Yeah, well, I I think this is a moment of the truth wants to come out. What I think, think it is. So when I went and stood at the head of the gurney, the cart where the president was lying, I guess I was the first one to get a very close view of the president's wound uh, because Dr. Perry had not had the opportunity, having just come in before me, to do anything you know closer than try to do something to get control of his respiration, which was the appropriate thing to do. We have what we call the ABCs of trauma care, which is airway, bleeding, and uh, you know, coagulation. Anybody yeah. who's listening, yes, you heard that right. Airway, bleeding, and coagulation. I got, I got one thing to say about him. Ah, he's full of shit. Yeah. yeah. For anyone who doesn't know, and I'm sure that a lot don't, the ABCs of trauma care are airway, because without an airway, you can't be B, breathing, okay? And if you're not breathing, guess what else you can't be doing? C, circulating, circulation, the C in the ABCs of trauma care. Yeah, and, and hell, I, okay, so so I had uh, CPR training years ago when I was an RA in the dorms in high school. Uh, yeah, uh, I know what ABCs are of, of trauma care. It's, it's, yeah, uh, and you're not trained anywhere near the level this doctor's supposed to be in, in the field of medicine for sure. Yeah, and uh, and and yeah, you can you can see uh, yeah you can see Nurse Elisa sounding off and, and saying yes, it's but it's the yeah it's the you know the the yeah it's not breathing, it's bleeding is what he said. He said bleeding and coagulation. Oh, for yeah, the this, win. like I said, he that's a, that's a situation where the truth wants to come out. Yes, um, it does. Yeah. Now he also okay. So now he talks about okay. In this next clip, he talks about uh, this. Doctor Robert McClellan talks about uh, the exit wound that he saw on uh, on on JFK. And this is, I think, this is uh, uh, this is where. Um, yeah. Let me just. I'll just have to play this clip. This is. It's a good one. Doctor Malcolm Perry uh, and Doctor Charles Baxter had just preceded me into the room a minute or two before I got there, and Doctor Perry was draping the president's neck with a little surgical drape in preparation for making a tracheotomy incision in the president's neck. So when I walked by on the other side of the cart from where Dr. Perry was standing, he handed me a little surgical retractor and he said, Bob, would you go and stand at the head of the cart and put this retractor in the incision that we're about to make to put the tracheostomy in. So I did that and went there and stood that directly above the patient's head wound. I was probably 18 inches above uh, that massive wound in the back of his head where I'm pointing here. 
that was probably at least five inches in circumference, circular and in circumference. And so when I saw that, I was, you know, of course, aghast. And I asked Malcolm and uh, Dr. Baxter, I said, my God, have you seen the back of his head? Yeah, I mean, okay, so I had to stop this clip because... Okay, five inches in diameter. So that's that means that means the. Uh, so this is, this gets into my uh, math stuff. It's, it's say the um, the diameter of the circle is about an inch and a half, I think. And when you got five inch diameter, yeah, it's about an inch and a half, which is a uh, yeah, that's pretty big. Um, yeah. Just out of curiosity, uh, how large is the circumference of a normal skull? Yeah, I actually, I think it was, uh, I think we looked it up. It was, well, the, because yeah, it's the length and width, right? Because it's not right. circular. So it's about, um, but they're talking about seven to nine inches or something. I mean, that's a pretty big hole. Like, you know, oh, five inches is absolutely gigantic. Yeah. I mean, regardless of, I mean, yeah. Do you think that, you know, if you, you get a big, you get a big hit like that, I mean, that's like a, that's like bigger than a golf ball hitting your, I mean, that's, yeah, that's bigger than a golf ball hitting your head. I mean, that's like a baseball or bigger than that, or maybe a softball hitting your head. I yeah. would say probably a softball. Yeah. Do you, and, do, you do, do you really think that there, that it's like, yeah, and it's, and he thinks it's fatal. Yeah, probably. So why did they do a tracheotomy exactly? I mean, well, here's the thing. All yeah. right. Anyone who knows anything about ballistics knows that an entry wound is smaller than an exit wound. And in this doctor's, own words okay he's saying that the hole in the back of kennedy's head was five inches in diameter how could that shot have come from behind him causing the back of his head and portions of his brain and bone to spray across the trunk of the presidential limo and jackie o that dog don't hunt yeah there's something okay so let's continue the clip we got about 26 seconds on it and they said no we just got in here before you did and i said well the right side of the back of his head is essentially gone and as i stood there uh, and the bit of his brain, and in fact, the cerebellum, the far part of the brain, way back here, fell out onto the cart in front of me. So this was obvious that this was a, an immediately uh, fatal wound, no question about it. Yeah, so we actually, I know this is a little bit, um, this is a little bit, um you know, this we're jumping ahead a little bit, but I think it's relevant because it's also, we have a firsthand account of the actual shot to JFK that, that caused this. Um, right. Yeah. So you want me to go ahead and play that, even though it's a little later in the script? No. Well, I mean, you can, yeah. but I just wanted to add in yeah. that I located through anatomy where this part of the brain he's talking about is and where the hole in Kennedy's head supposedly was. And the amount of brain matter that was lost is never actually stated to say whether or not it got into that particular center of or not center but um area of his brain and if that particular part of his brain which is what controls breathing and circulation and pretty much all the function of life in your body if it was able to just casually just bloop right out onto the stretcher um how well do you think that particular part of his brain was functioning? Ergo, I think that the whole tracheotomy, tracheostomy thing that they were doing was purely theatrical and for show. Because I agree with Nurse Elise. She pointed out, why couldn't they just innovate him normally? Why did they go immediately for a tracheotomy? And where the, you know, where the damage was uh, due to the gunshot, there's complete plausibility to that statement like gee guys why didn't you 
Yeah, exactly. Well, I think, as I say, I think just because it's relevant, even, even though it's a little bit, a little bit later in the script, I think we'll have to play the firsthand uh, account of the shot that actually occurred. I think it's, so. Yeah, for, this is from this is from the Secret Service agent that was that was basically there. I think at the or was was he protecting the president? Or he was protecting, protecting Jackie. Oh, that's yeah. the one you called the douchebag for not jumping on her. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So we're gonna we're, we'll play we'll play this. And I got to the almost to the president's car when I heard another shot and I felt that one and I saw the reaction it hit the president in the head and it was blood matter brain matter, bone fragments all came out of that wound got all over the back of the car and all over me and all over Mrs. Kennedy because she at that point had gotten up on the back of the trunk trying to grasp some of the material that came out of the president's head which she was able to do so I got up on top of the president's car and I grabbed her and put her in the back seat. When they did that, his body fell farther to the left with his head in her lap. The right side of his face was up. I could see the hole in the skull, and in that hole, there was no brain matter left. There was nothing there. It was just a vacuum. I thought, this is a fatal shot. So I turned to the follow-up car, and I gave him a thumbs down. Yeah, so they knew... Yeah, so, I mean... Yeah, that's pretty clear. When you get you get shot in the head like that, yeah, you're probably, you know. Especially if you see the size of the cartridge that the Italian rifle that Oswald supposedly used to assassinate the president, you're going to explode that head like a melon, y'all. It's not going to be something that you're gurgling or your heart's beating afterward. It's it's just not happening. Yeah. I'll tell you what's wrong with him. My love, he's dead. That's what's wrong with him. Um, That's right. I wish I, I wish I, I, I had that. Wish I had that clip on standby. Uh, but I do have a clip of the. So you know that clearly, I think um, you know the doctors that were there. I mean, if I you know I, I mentioned earlier that I think that they kind of handpicked the doctors that are going that were going to be there when uh, you know when uh, when they were going to wheel Kennedy in you know so for show. Um, yeah. Well. Um, yeah, I think uh, there there's something about uh, those guys that, uh, yeah, I'm sure they were talked to before they talked. Oh, to you could almost guarantee it. This clip says a lot. Were you ever threatened? People often ask me that. No, I was not. Dr. Perry, I thought, and I might be mistaken because I didn't take any notes. I thought he inferred that he had been. Yes, he did. That's what he told me. He didn't talk about it much, but he did say to me that someone had come up to him and cautioned him that he shouldn't say anything, you know, keep his mouth shut. Uh, was was his family ever threatened? See, he left the state of Texas after this occurred. Right. He went up to New York to practice medicine and retired back in Texas. Right. But uh, I thought he told me that he left because he did not feel safe. I think that's true. Yeah, that's true. But, that's true. And yeah. you know what? I mean, this reeks of a three-letter agency cover-up big time. You know, what What would the need to threaten the doctor be? Were they afraid that he was going to expose the fact that this was not possible to have been a lone gunman to do all of this from the angles, the damage, this and that? It, it just, you know... It, <laughs> Could you make it more obvious, guys, that you were completely behind this? 
Yeah, I mean, seriously, like, and it's it's pretty obvious. And and I mean, here, let's let's even let's take this, you know, let's take this out. It's like, no, okay, so you know the okay, so the theory. Let's just say what the theory was is that you know they they were uh, you know they were promoting the lone, the lone gunman theory, right? That with Lee Harvey Oswald was the guy. They actually had him in custody it, very quickly. It turned out they had him in custody and well, they, within I, about ninety seconds. Yeah, and um, yeah, it, it may not have been ninety seconds, but it was literally within minutes of that. The yeah. shots being fired that a police off yeah. a Dallas officer rushed into the repository and actually had him in custody until a supervisor said, oh, no, 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 leave him alone. He works here. He's not your guy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, here, let's play the clip. Lee Harvey Oswald is first seen about 90 seconds after the last shot is fired. He's seen in the lunchroom on the second floor of the school book repository. A Dallas police motorcycle officer named Marion Baker dropped his motorcycle, rushed in the building, got a hold of the building's manager, Roy Truly. They go up through the building. They find Oswald. Why didn't he uh, arrest him then? Because the manager of the place told us that he was an employee. He said, he's all right, he's an employee. So Baker holsters his weapon and they go on up the stairs. Oswald buys a coat from the coat machine and ostensibly walks out the front door of the building before it's sealed off by investigators. Okay. So, all right. So, yeah, I mean, they. so I, why did they let him go? I mean, that's a, if, they, exactly. if, if he's the guy that, that, that they say did it, why did they let him go? And then, you know. Well, first- wait, even, even further than that, okay? You've just had a president shot. Why is anybody allowed to leave any of those fucking buildings? That yeah. should be all hands on deck yet again. Like, yeah, no, till we figure out the particulars, y'all sit the fuck down. Yeah. So I actually think, okay, so, so let's see. I think I'm going to, I'm going to also skip around here in the script because I think it's going to make it a little bit more sense because they were, try- they clearly, right, were trying to convince America that. Oswald killed JFK. That's what basically. That's what the Warren Commission was all about, right? Of course, it was. Yeah. So, so let's play that clip. That this is, and this is, you know, again going back to the beginning of the, you know, the beginning of the Warren Commission and talking about, you know, what the the letter that was sent uh, to the to LBJ about, you know, what the, you know, about what what they uh, what they were, uh, you know, it's kind of their marching orders almost. Yeah. On the same day as the funeral, Deputy Attorney General Nicholas Katzenbach sent this memo to the new Johnson White House. The public must be satisfied that Oswald was the assassin, that he did not have Confederates who are still at large, and that evidence was such that he would have been convicted at trial. It continues. Speculation about Oswald's motivation ought to be cut off, and we should have some basis for rebutting thought that this was a communist conspiracy or, as the Iron Curtain Press is saying, a right-wing conspiracy to blame it on the communists. Unfortunately, the facts on Oswald seem about too packed too obvious. Marxist, Cuba, Russian wife, etc. In that memo, Katzenbach points out that the very integrity of the U.S. government is being brought into question by this, that the people in the United States have to be assured beyond any reasonable doubt that there was only Oswald. There were no conspirators, nothing beyond that. Yeah, so that, that's a lot too convenient. Okay, Oswald just happened to be married to a Russian. He had Cuban ties. He was ex-military. He was a Marxist. I mean, could, can we script something a little bit more obvious, Hollywood? Yeah, exactly. Well, okay, so 
I actually pulled the. I, okay, so in this whole process, I I heard this and I went, yeah, this is okay. This is not the traditional magic number, but um, yeah, but it is a magic number nonetheless. Ten months after the assassination, the Warren Commission delivered its final report to the White House, 888 pages, finding no conspiracy. Yeah, so, okay, we okay. So we know that 33 is the magic number. Now, we also know that, uh, you know, but, but eight's a lucky number. In fact, more eight's the better, right? That's so eight, right. That's a lucky China pages, number. That's a, that's, a, that's a big old uh, China number, and I'm sure uh, if JCD were to hear that, he'd say, Oh, my God. Yeah. Exactly. And here's the thing. The Warren Commission wasn't assembled to get the truth because they didn't give a shit about the truth. They knew what the truth was. They knew that this was a coup orchestrated by LBJ to kill Kennedy and set Oswald up to do it. Yeah. Okay. And then how do you tie up that loose end? Oh, well, real easy. You get a guy, Jack Ruby, who's dying of cancer. You offer to set his family up for life and bing, bang, boom, your loose end is tied up. And the next thing you know, this cat dies in prison of cancer. All your problems are solved, and his family is set for life. Does that reek of conspiracy, anyone? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, but but here here's where it. You know, again, I think and here is um, you know exactly what the um, you know really what the Warren Commission is about. Uh, pretty much from LBJ, I think. Right? Is that where this clip comes from? I That's think so. right. This is his own words. So he's steering the commission already early on. Absolutely. And just to put a fine point on this, the mission of the Warren Commission wasn't the truth. No. The mission of the Warren Commission, simply put, was the prosecution of Oswald. There wasn't any defense. If you do a prosecution with no defense, this is what you get. Well, yeah, and I actually, I kind of, I kind of, actually, I screwed that up. Um, but it is actually the, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, but yeah, I mean, it, it, ultimately, yeah, they were, if if it were, if this were a trial, they would, uh, you know, they would, there would be a, like he, like the, like the guy said uh, in the in this clip, it, there would have been a defense of, you know, whether, you know, whether Oswald didn't do it, right? No, there wasn't. This was a, this was a. No, this this was exactly the narrative that they wanted. Yeah. No, I'll play the next clip. I think I know, how, I know how to get it. This is this is LGBJ talking about what. Oh, the, that's right. Right, yeah. yeah. So, all right. Let's. Play We're that. sorry. We had a clip error. We had a clip error. It happens. It does. Yeah. But here. But here's the thing. We got to take this out of the arena where they're testifying that Khrushchev and Castro did this and did that and uh, kicking us into a war that can kill 40 million Americans in an hour. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's funny. Yeah. The fact that, oh, let's remember that LBJ was from Texas and every goddamn president we've had that from texas has gotten us into a fucking war and he wanted us in vietnam and guess who didn't kennedy yeah that's right um you know and i think it's um yeah and actually okay one of the key pieces of evidence though and this is this is um you know and i think this is important so there, there, there's a um there was a film taken by a by a uh, this guy's a brooder that's often used as a, a in it's one of the most famous yeah. pieces of evidence if you will yeah and um this what we're about to tell y'all might shock you 311 this is 312 notice 312 is really clear it's it's preternaturally clear somehow that the film lined up with the lens just perfectly. But now, now look what happens. 313, there's an explosion in Kennedy's head. That's the climax of the film. It was never mentioned in the Warren Report or its 26 volumes. You wouldn't know it happened. The Warren Commission did publish still frames from the Zapruder film in the volumes of evidence, 
but something had changed. The head explodes in 313. 314 looked very strange to the educated eye, and so did 315. It turned out they had been reversed. That what is obviously in the original film, a movement like this, is made to look like a forward movement. A forward movement that would support the lone gunman theory. A shot fired from behind, from the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository. Wow, you heard it here, y'all. They tampered with the Zabruder film. Yeah, is there gambling going on? Yeah. So. I know, no shit. What? Water's wet? Huh? Yeah, exactly. So now here's the interesting thing is so they okay, they ultimately and I think this is this is about where we're gonna wrap this up, is um Well, we did forget to yeah. mention the fact that after Kennedy was a assass- or I'm sorry, after Oswald was gunned down by Ruby, you know, that whole convenience thing and all, they actually released a clip that came from an open microphone, a stuck open mic on a Dallas police officer who was nowhere near the repository when the first shot rang out in this assassination. They actually released that audio and actually had put it in girly magazines. They were as like little records that used to come in sleeves in magazines yes exactly they, yeah, the, yeah little paper records yeah yeah they I were mean, like mocking oh absolutely the assassination you, of this president you t- yeah, have it, you it, ever heard of anything so disgusting how could our country allow that to happen oh wait because they were involved in ordinary murder investigations all sorts of records of evidence has have to be held by the prosecution and safeguarded because evidence is sacrosanct and in any investigation. That's how you find find out the truth. In this case, as soon as Oswald was killed in Dallas Police Headquarters on Sunday, all the various restrictions, etc., on evidence were relaxed. The recordings for the Dallas Police Radio were given out as souvenirs by the dispatchers of the Dallas Police. There's even a, a recording that was part of a that was given out in a magazine, right? Yeah, a girly magazine, as a matter of fact. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. First shot was fired three seconds after an officer says, All right, Jackson. A recording of the assassination captured by a stuck microphone on a Dallas police motorcycle. That will play an important role in our understanding decades later of what really happened in Dealey Plaza. Yeah, and we still don't. And that's the thing is, I mean, will we ever really know? You know, after 50 years, the files were supposed to be unredacted. And oh, gee, big surprise. It never happened. Yeah. And and honestly, like, you know, and we, we could, you know, when we go, you know, I mean, why go through any conspiracy theory? And I think actually... And this is and this is a clip I I pulled out um, on my own that I thought was interesting. I think it's I think it's you know we because because you know we we we, you know, we kind of made we we kind of made fun of that why are we going through nine eleven why are we going through the you know why are we going through um, all this stuff and I think I think this clip kind of think kind of sums it up. It's like this is and it's important. If a society believes in alternative facts, you get in deeper and deeper trouble. You need the truth. A healthy society needs the truth. 
Yeah. So it's funny that the alternative facts uh, might actually be a lot closer to the truth. And it's, you know, it's watching this, of course, play out over the last several years with uh, with uh, number 45. Uh, you know, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, so alternative facts. It's like, well, when you, you know, if the truth isn't there, there's going to be a void that fills in. And is that, and is it, you know, what is it, what's going to fill in there going to be, you know, healthy or not? And it really isn't. Um, you know, we don't, I mean, seriously, like even, I think you were, you were looking at something, apparently they released a video like the Biden administrations releasing more bullshit on on jfk which we didn't have a chance to watch because i think it came out like a couple days ago or something but but um, yeah and who the hell wants to slog through that dusty bastard to yeah, be exactly. honest with you but here's the i thing. mean i would if i had to i just didn't think there was anything meritorious that was going to come out of his mouth that you know we would not think was steaming piles of horseshit to begin with but i mean let's not forget the fact that you know we're we're never going to know what the truth is we can speculate and we can you know wonder for the rest of our time there's yeah. there's no way around it the truth may come out if you know someone in hundreds of years or something cares enough to dig into it but today yeah. we're not going to be able to solve this mystery any more than they did 20 years ago 30 years yeah. ago 50 I, I, years ago. yeah or or even longer i mean you know past our lifetime and, and you know probably exactly because there's two sides to every story and then there's the truth that's right but i think i think in order to finish up this topic um somebody in the troll room called out exactly where this clip came from um yeah i think i think this uh, alternative theory of who killed jfk is as good as any quite frankly yeah but i can help man i mean mr president man i mean say how uh, can you help well come with us back to dallas in november 63 be a second gunman the gunman behind the grassy knoll you mean uh, assassinate myself yeah it will drive the conspiracy nuts crazy but we'll never figure it out <laughs> And with that, I think we'll uh, we will uh, we will close out the topic and move on to the toast and jam section of our show. I think we should. Yeah. Um, so because we did a show uh, yesterday, we've, we've done most of the uh, the toast and jam content. Uh, but uh, I will I, I will go ahead and remind you while we're in this segment that uh, we would love to hear your favorite conspiracy theory. That's, that's not right. that's not nine eleven. So uh, give us a give us a live call at two five three two three seven three three two one if you want to sound off. If you have some feedback on the J. JFK stuff. And it was yeah, we a, would love to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll hang out here in the toast and jam for a few minutes and uh, see if you guys want to call in. But um, I guess what we can talk about is uh, as far as our toast and jam, because because uh, again, we talked about a lot of it, uh, and, and you know, the, we we had our we had our conversation with Sir Seat Sitter on Thursday. That, we did. That, yeah, that was that was great. I don't think I actually I think I might have mentioned that, or we kind of skipped. We may have skipped over it. I can't remember, but we had a great conversation. I'll probably release it. On the on the Lotus Effect stream and the Lotus Effect feed at some point, I just got to edit. Absolutely. Um, and um, yeah, but I think the one thing that happened since last night was, uh, yeah. Oh, here we go. Ooh, we've got a call coming. We got a call in. All righty. So yes. I'm going to do this. Uh, hello, caller. You're on the air with Phoenix and Phone Boy. How are you too? Yeah. Hello. How are you too? Oh, we are fantastic. How are you? Good. All right. So what? So what's your favorite conspiracy theory? The Clinton, uh, the, the Clinton story. There's there's so much in the Clinton stuff. Oh, there is. Yeah, I mean it, that that's a yeah that you could yeah that yeah the uh, you know the, the Clinton kill list or whatever. I mean there's there's so the Hillary list. Yeah, that. Okay, caller, I can't hear your microphone. You're you're you're. Uh... 
Turn down, no. yeah. Turn down your speaker. Turn up your microphone. <laughs> no, you know what? It's a it's a fruit product that I'm talking about. Oh, it is. Huh? That explains yeah. it. Awesome. But yeah, the Clinton Clinton death list keeps growing. That's what's awesome about it. You know. Well, absolutely. So, what what is your? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think that just yeah, that I think they're gonna. You know, I'm sure the Clintons are. You know, again, part of the whole global conspiracy. I'm sure I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if somehow they were involved in the, you know, JFK too. Well, you know, the Clintons were <laughs> dug in deep with Weinstein. Come on, so was Bill Gates. Whoop! I said it. That's right. Oh, oh yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, if you go back, I mean, he's kind of the one that started. Uh, if you go back to like Ron Brown, if, uh, he was one that kind of like brokered the deal to uh, sell our Motorola chips to China to improve their missile defense technology. Oh wow! And, uh, you know, like everybody involved that was involved with that whole deal that was worked out with Motorola selling their chips over there, they're all dead. So it's, it's very strange. Oh yeah. I mean, so oh wait, you go to you, okay. I'm, I mean, I mean seriously, the whole yeah. I mean, it, it's there the, the the Clinton you know machine is so just crazy. You know, coincidence? I think not. Yeah, that's my thoughts on everybody in that situation ending up dead. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. The number of people that have that have uh, you know that have wanted to put the Clintons away and have died. You know, of course, I, you know, you see the you know with the Queen with Queen Elizabeth passing away, there was a you know somebody had posted the you know screenshot of I have information that'll lead to the arrest of Hillary Clinton. It was it was Queen Elizabeth, right? I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it There's sad so that like that? Is it sad that when I heard the Queen died, my first exclamation was "Holy shit, Adam was right." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, you know. Oh you know, my God! Been listening, been listening to No Agenda for uh, over ten years, I think now. That that happens a lot. Oh yeah. Like, oh my well, God, they're right about somebody dying. Well, exactly. Right. Or just or just hearing, you know, like Haiti came back up at some point recently, and I'm like, oh, they were talking about Haiti back in 2009. <laughs> you know? And and that's exactly oh, it. Yeah. Is yeah. All, all you have to do. I mean, the the Red Book reads like a. You know, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy of of just predictions that have come true. You know, a- Adam and John ain't got, you know, it, the Simpsons and uh, Nostradamus and all those fuckers ain't got shit on Adam and John. Yeah, yeah that's right. Well, they can, they, you know, they know, how to, they know how to read the tea leaves. They can see what's going on. That's, it's, that's it's, it. It's, you know, they say history repeats itself. This is all this is all shit that's happened before. You know, it's all happened before. You know, that's Shh, it. don't say that. There's still people who think that Adam's from the future. Yeah, okay. Well, there's there's that too. You know, we can, yeah, we can, but he, he probably is from the future. I mean, JCD's from the future too. I think. He well, just, we know JCD's from the future. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So future me wants to roll around with JCD. <laughs> Oh, boy. I said that out loud. Damn it, it must be the weed talking. Huh. <laughs> All right. It's got to be the first confirmed JCD fetish that I've ever heard of. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, okay. So, yeah, I may have a tiny crush on JCD. I love hearing his voice. Yeah, there you go. But He's in my audio spank bank. <laughs> <laughs> Alongside phone boys saying, you, you, you know you, you how bad you sound? Audio spank bank is is probably now is pr- going to now be a show title potentially. Right? <laughs> I'm, ju- I'm just being bad. <laughs> What's JCD been doing to your ear hole? <laughs> I'll never tell. <laughs> I've gone through three pairs of earbuds since I started sleeping with him in my ears. Coincidence? I think not. 
That's right. Yeah, you do. I had to use that clip against you. <laughs> All well, right. well, you know, of his own admission, he doesn't know phone boy, so I figured I was safe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know. All right, time to quit jerking off on All the right. stream. All right. Thanks and, for calling in, uh, Ned. Thanks for calling in, Ned. Yeah. See ya. All right, see ya. All right, there you go. All right. Well, that went sideways quickly now, didn't it? Yeah, that always does. Um, so, um, I think we need to talk about the dinner I made last night. Oh yeah. That, that. Yeah, yeah. That dinner. Oh my, oh my goodness. Yeah. So you, yeah. So you cooked some of the, uh, the short ribs, short ribs. Uh, yeah, it was, it was very tasty. I couldn't even, I actually did not. Eat you did the- not finish it all. I was surprised because the carnivore you are, yeah. you're usually all over things like that. Yeah, I know. And unfortunately I, uh, but we, we dusted those beautiful ribs with some Anna Vicino yeah. barbecue dust. And then I drizzled some jelly. Jack Daniels and some uh, local honey from DeBell Farms. Yeah. Yes, I know honey is not an S and G. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, exactly. And it was yeah, it was absolutely delicious. And then some of the green beans that you yourself, phone boy, had helped can yeah. That's we right. had for dinner, and they were super delicious. Awesome. Yeah, uh, uh, favorite theories. Epstein killed himself. I'm kind of. I'm looking at the no agenda trolls. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good one for sure. Hey, two five three two three seven three three two one. Let's discuss if Epstein killed himself. We that's all know the real answer. Yeah, that's but all right. We'll hear the theories. That's right. So, um, okay, and this is um, yeah. So I think we've gotten through that again. We'll keep the phone lines open here. Um, that's right, and, and we do want to shout out Randolph Farms because they are the ones who the short ribs came from. It's part of the quarter cow that we bought. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, we're uh, yeah, we're going to have dinner after this, I think. Uh, but uh, yeah, and uh, we got. Uh, it's, I guess it's my turn to talk about my favorite conspiracy theory. It is, and at any time, if you want to call in, once again, two five three two three seven three three two one, we will be listening for your favorite conspiracy theories, and you will hear yourself live on the stream. So give us a call. Okay. Well, I could have gone with something like the moon landing, but I decided I'm going to go. I'm going to go with a conspiracy theory that you're. You're literally being fed every day in the form of the food you eat, particularly if you're eating food that came from the middle aisles of the grocery store. Uh, when you hear what I'm about to say, it definitely sounds like a conspiracy theory. Of course, you know, we all know the difference between a conspiracy theory and a fact, about three months. But um, this one has been out in the open for more than a century. And guess what? Everybody admits that it's the, that it's the case, right? That this is the truth. And the, and that part, the party I'm talking about, it's a Seventh-day Adventist church. Um, what? Yeah, exactly. I wish I'd had that clip loaded. But um, what's the con- and, and, yeah? What's the conspiracy? Oh, they're trying to take our meat away, and, and this is where this comes from. So um, it all started with a girl named Ellen G. White, who claimed she was sent a vision by God warning her against eating meat. Now, granted, this was in the mid-19th century, where I guess you weren't locked up for claiming visions from God were occurring. I don't know, but I thought that was good. But um, Ellen would later be instrumental in the founding of the 12th largest religion in the world, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, a religion that now boasts a membership of 25 million people in over 200 countries. Now, her belief... That look it out, was look out Scientology. Yeah. Uh, they're coming for your title. That's right. You know they're trying. Yeah, the Scientology. Uh, yeah, Scientology. That is. Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, you know her belief 
that it was the duty of the church to actively engage in public health education to control desires and baser passions set the church apart from other major religious denominations. Wait, wait. Are these the dingleberries that are doing conversion therapy if you're gay? Uh, I don't know if they're doing that or not, but, um, you know, but 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 ultimately based... That's a lot of what it sounds like to me. It could very well be, yeah. Based almost exclusively on these visions and beliefs, meatless eating became a tenet of the church and that many Adventists around the world still adhere to today. Okay, so uh, in other words, she was like the precursor to L. Ron Hubbard and his horse shit. Well, yeah, well, for different reasons, of course. You know, but yeah. Dianetics. Has anyone out there read that book? Yeah. Well, oh you, my God, how anyone reads that and goes, oh my God, he's the new Messiah. We have to sell everything we have and give all of our money to this belief. Yeah. Yeah, you're the ones who need to be locked up, not yeah, us podcasters. Exactly. Now, what's actually funny is that Ellen, that Ellen G. White in her book actually acknowledged, um, you know, that when it comes to diet, one person cannot lay down an exact rule for another. That's a direct quote from her book, and yet that's exactly what these Seventh Day Adventist assholes are doing through the creation of several food companies and and the way that they influence public policy. Um, now. The first, um, you know, the, where this became really interesting, uh, and, and where, the, where they first started becoming influential, is um, there's a the, one of the, the first major conduit of this influence was a young Adventist named John Harvey Kellogg, who became a typesetter for the Seventh Day Adventist publications around 1866 when he was a young teenager. The young man's mind was so deeply influenced by the church publications on health, chastity, and purity that he became a doctor and later ran the first Adventist hospital, the Battle Creek Sanitarium, in order to advance that cause. Um, and advance the, the church's tenets, he most certainly did. And this this is this is this guy was this guy was a fucking just jack off. After brutalizing young boys who masturbated through quote unquote circumcision as punishment, pouring carb carbolic acid on girls' clitorises or suturing the foreskin over the the tip of boys' penises to prevent erections, he went one step further and invented what he hoped would be a form of chemical castration. Kellogg's cornflakes. Oh, wait. Yeah. Say that shit again. Anybody out there that uh, likes cornflakes or, you know, maybe frosted flakes, I think y'all need to hear that. For, the, for those in the back row. Yeah. So John Harvey Kellogg uh, in, invented what he hoped would be a form of chemical castration, Kellogg's cornflakes. In his own writings, Kellogg recognizes the impact of diet on sex drive. In his book, Plain Facts for Old and Young, published in 1881, he wrote the following. Flesh, condiments, eggs, tea, coffee, chocolate, and all stimulants have a powerful influence directly upon the reproductive organs. They increase the local supply of blood, and through nervous sympathy with the brain, the passions are aroused. Now, so yep. that means, so that's it. I, I I can't deny it. You you get drinking that coffee and eating them eggs, and the next thing I know, I'm sitting on your lap. Yeah, uh, I just can't get over it. Yeah, uh, sit on my face. Anyway, <laughs> that would have been great to have. I know. Here. Yeah. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, we got we got we we got Mama Lee here too. That's um, right. So the converse of that, of course, is, would be if you take away those things, you won't have any sex drive. And in fact, bland, plant-based, non-stimulating food is considered one of the core tenets of furthering a life without lust. Kellogg himself definitely should know from firsthand experience, since he reportedly never consummated his marriage, preferring to adopt rather than to give in to lustful thoughts. Wow. Yeah. So we're, you know, so yeah. And, and then, you know, let's talk about the Battle Creek Sanitarium, which is one of the first uh, Adventist hospitals. So, so a son of an Adventist 
factory owner in Battle Creek, uh, John Harvey Kellogg was encouraged by his church to train in medicine at the Bellevue Hospital Medical College in New York City in 1875. After graduating, he became medical superintendent at the Western Health Reform Institute in Battle Creek, established in 1866 by the Adventists to offer their natural remedies for illness. Um, So when John Harvey Kellogg became the medical superintendent in 1876 and his brother, W.K. Kellogg, worked as the bookkeeper there, they came up with a new word to describe the hospitals run by the Seventh-day Adventist, sanitarium. As John H. Kellogg put it, they took the word sanatorium, which then was defined as a health resort for invalid soldiers. In his words, a change of two letters, sanatorium to sanitarium, and a new word was added to the English language. Now, many... Wealthy uh, industrialists came to Kellogg's Battle Creek Sanitarium for recuperation and rejuvenation. The guests found fresh air, exercise, rest, hydrotherapy, a strict vegetarian diet, and abstinence from alcohol, tobacco, coffee, and tea. Now, back in those days, they were accustomed to breakfasts of ham, eggs, sausages, fried potatoes, hot biscuits, hot cakes, and coffee. To supplement the the center's vegetarian regimen, Kellogg experimented with granola. Yeah. Uh, Soon afterwards, he began to experiment with wheat, resulting in a lighter, flakier product. In 1891, he acquired a patent, and then in 1895, he launched the Corn Flakes Bland Bland, bland brand. That's the truth wanting to come out. Yeah, there you go. Which, Which overnight captured a national market. Soon there were 40 rival manufacturers in the Battle Creek area. His brother, William H. Kellogg, uh, William K. Kellogg, worked for him for many years, and until in 1906 he broke away, bought the rights to cornflakes, and set up the Kellogg Toasted Flake Toasted Cornflake Company. William Kellogg discarded the health food concept, opting for heavy advertising and commercial taste appeal. Later, his signature on every package became the company trademark. Now, and in fact, you know, the entire breakfast cereal industry can be can be traced back to Battle Creek, Michigan. So, if you're eating breakfast cereal, guess what? You're eating you're eating shit that the Seventh Day Adventists wanted you to eat, right? Um, and, and and it's and it's all mostly. Does that kind of mean you're now a slave? I, I suppose so. And it, now, now, of course, he's not the only one. So the second major innovator in the cereal industry was Charles W. Post, a salesman who was admitted to Kellogg's sanitarium as a patient in the late 1800s. While there, he grew deeply impressed with their all-grain diet. Upon his release, he began experimenting with grain products, beginning with an all-grain coffee substitute called Postum. In 1898, he introduced grape nuts, the concentrated cereal with a nutty flavor, containing neither grapes nor nuts. By the way, good business sense, determination, and powerful advertising produced a multi-million dollar fortune for Post in a few years. After his death, his company acquired the Jell-O Company in 1925, Baker's Chocolate in 1927, Maxwell House in 1928, and Bird's Eye Frozen Foods in 1929. In 1929, the company changed its name to General Foods. In 1985, Phyllis Mo- Philip Morse Tobacco Company bought the General bought General Foods for 5.6 billion dollars, uh, equivalent to 14.1 billion today, and merged it with its craft division because of kellogg and post the city of battle creek michigan is nicknamed the cereal capital of the world now that's you know so yeah the entire breakfast cereal industry was created by religious whack jobs who's surprised yeah exactly so um yes and and this is uh you know this is where it gets, so you know then of course we talk about training doctors um you know this is um yeah, and this is this is where you get it. You know, this is where things get uh, you know because san- they're sanitariums. I mean, they're they're hospitals. They needed doctors, and so the Adventists created colleges to train their doctors. Later, the church continued to train their doctors in the hundreds of U.S. hospitals they eventually created, as well as training missionary doctors to take the message of health through diet around the world. 
The church, in a paper entitled The Global Influence of the Seventh-day Adventist Church on Dialet, freely admits that the SDA church established hundreds of hospitals, colleges, and secondary schools, and tens of thousands of churches around the world, all promoting the vegetarian diet. Yeah. So, and in fact, they wrote the dietary guidelines, too. From the beginning, they established the guidelines for the first dietetics associations, which have been duplicated around the world. The American Dietetics Association was co-founded in 1917 by, you guessed it, a Seventh-day Adventist named Lena Francis Copper. The purpose of this was to train budding dietitians in the art of promoting a diet for chastity and purity. Using using their words, not mine. Lena Uh, Francis Cooper, not Copper. Copper, Cooper, yeah, fine. It matters. Yeah, words do matter. Okay. Um, And in fact, the Adventists wrote and continue to write to this day in numerous textbooks on the subject of diet. They've also written many nursing textbooks and produce a wide range of medical literature, and they also own a great many hospitals. They own 60-plus publishing houses, 400-plus TV stations, and several hundred radio stations. Uh, After the Catholic Church, they're the second biggest educator in the world, probably. That ought to scare you. Yeah, exactly. And today, the American Dietetic Association is is the Academy of Nutrition and, Diet, and, and Dietetics, and it describes, himself, it describes itself as the world's largest organization of food and nutrition professionals, whose members play a key role in shaping the public's food choices. A similar situation exists in Australia, where the processed breakfast cereal company Sanitarium, wholly owned by the Adventist Church, and they don't pay any taxes either, by the way, uh, they sponsor and partner with associations, including the Dietetics Association of Australia, the Heart Foundation, and the Cancer Council and Diabetes Australia. In other words, it's the world's largest diet lobby group, and they're extremely active today in influencing dietary policy towards a meatless agenda. You know, you're starting to hear all this stuff about you know the you know the you know the whatever you call it the you know the, the beyond impossible and, right. you know, and that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, um, yeah, this is not new, folks. Um, not beyond impossible. That's Vinny. Beyond meat. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's beyond impossible that that, that the stuff even tastes any good. That. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. So, so here's the thing, right? So through the and you know the the the, the, the Seventh Day Adventist Church realized that yeah they, um you know they 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 you know what what you know watching what the Kellogg's did and watch what the you know what happened to the with the breakfast cereal industry they realized that uh, that that feeding people meatless convenience foods was extremely lucrative, right? Because because if you go back through the history of breakfast cereal, breakfast cereal was not prepackaged; it was something that you could maybe buy in you know bulk or whatever, but you had to do a bunch of pre- pre- preparation for it. Now you've got this uh, convenience food that you can buy in a box on a shelf and you know it lasts forever and that kind of thing right so they realized that that all this meatless convenience food you've been eating or yeah this convenience food you've been eating yeah came from the seventh day adventist church right and in fact uh, when the church created the food company sanitarium back in 1898 which was an an australian company it was created explicitly to support the adventist health message the health food business its purpose is to supply the people with food which will take the place of flesh meat and also milk and butter which on the account of diseases of cattle are becoming more and more objectionable they ultimately introduced nut butters, nut loaves, and meatless animal proteins to substi- you know, substitutes to a U.S. to the U.S. a century before Beyond Burger and Impossible Burgers. They own 24 food industries and are responsible for starting the soy industry, which the you know which uh, you know the soy industry recognizes. Uh, no other organization or group of people has played a more important role than Seventh Day Adventists in introducing soy foods, vegetarianism, meat alternatives, wheat gluten, dietary fiber, or peanut butter to the Western world. And that's the Soy Information Center that uh, that uh, said that. 
Now, I find it I find it ironic that both vegan burgers and granola, which are often associated with hippies and nature children, are actually the result of a puritanical church ideology trying to curb masturbation and lunch. lust. <laughs> lust. There you go. I wish I could say that. I wish I could say that three times fast. Yeah, mm, nut butter. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> oh my. Yeah. Um, so of course, you know. Then, then we talk. You know. Then we talk about the bought and paid for science, right? So. One of the ways the Seventh-day Adventist Church have accomplished um, influencing their religious agenda on the world is by funneling this money into their flagship creation, Loma Linda University Health in Southern California, where the long tradition of Adventists getting trained to become doctors, nutritionists, dietitians, and scientists that will help to spread the tenets of the church through the veneer of charity and science. Yeah. it's, it's a, well, yeah. Now, don't forget, though, okay, that neither the sinfulness of masturbation or the health warnings that meat causes cancer or that cattle are diseased uh, made the impact on the non-believers that the church hoped for. So, you know, they had to refocus their anti-meat campaign on climate change. And, you know, sure, we can find plenty of studies to show that, you know. And, uh, you know, they probably came from Loma Linda University, to be honest. Yeah, most yeah, most of the studies, that you know, that or Harvard is kind of the two they, places. Oh, fucking yeah, Harvard. Them, them and Harvard. So, um, so Loma Linda University Health is the umbrella for a huge number of health organizations, including Loma Linda University and Loma Linda University Medical Center, all working hand-in-hand to spread the tenets of the church. Uh, Loma Linda University is where they train and give degrees to these prof- to professionals, thus stocking the world's medical centers, political body lobby groups, and even the CDC with Adventist-trained physicians, dietitians, and their most nefarious of tactics, raising up a plethora of research scientists. So the search is the, the 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 search the church has been so successful in this clandestine study quote unquote of their tenets that the vast majority of evidence and in, in, in quotes favoring veganism or vegetarianism recently being lumped into the un, un undefined term plant based diets in, in term you're hearing have been conducted by scientists trained at you guessed it Loma Linda University you know so in other words it's yeah it's it's not the um. It's not the Scientologists we got to worry about. It's these fucking Seventh-day Adventists, ultimately. They're the real cult. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, by the way, not that the, you know, Scientologists aren't a massive cult, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, so this is, so yeah, the number of studies that they've done are, you know, there's, there's a ridiculous number of studies and, and, you know, and if you listen, and actually if you, you listen to, you know, the, the folks that have tried to de- to debunk all of them, it's all junk science basically, right? It, it's, you know, none of it's really good. It's associational science, you know, a science at best, right? Um, so they've, I could, I could, I could spend hours just reading through this bullshit, but let's, let's focus on just one scientist that seems to come up quite a bit in this thing. It's a guy named, uh, uh, Joan Sabate, whose lifetime achievement of at least 31 published studies, which, you know, doesn't include meta-analysis or opinion pieces and, and published in peer-reviewed journals. I mean, any scientist with that kind with had 31 published studies would be green with envy. Um, now, of course, there are dozens, if not hundreds, more studies, all done to advance the, the religious precepts of the church. In fact, there are some researchers like Terry Butler um, who are also pastors in the church. Not only that, um, you know, this this Terry Butler guy has infiltrated himself into the CDC doing studies that ultimately impact world health recommendations. If that is not dark and nefarious, I don't know what is. Yeah. Oh, it, oh, it gets it gets worse. So now you'll find Adventist trained scientists similarly situated in positions of authority around the world. And I'll tell a story about Gary Fetke. He's, a, he's an orthopedic surgeon in Tasmania. Uh, he's a doctor who promotes a low carbohydrate lifestyle and was investigated for his practices by, by the Australian Medical Board in the trial that ultimately banned him from speaking publicly. 
publicly about nutrition on any platform, uh, the expert witness was, surprise, surprise, an Adventist. Um, now, that was, now, it, he, he spent four and a half years being, um, you know, that being restricted from speaking out about nutrition because he, because he quote, quote unquote wasn't qualified as a doctor. But, uh, but, uh, you know, so, but I mean, thankfully that, you know, somebody at the, you know, at the, you know, in the, in the, in the right position looked at that and go, yeah, he's actually saying good things. So, uh, they, they, so in October 2018, I mean, after four and a half years of being, of battling the, you know, the, you know, the Australian health authorities, they finally cleared him of all charges. Right. Um, you know, so How nefarious. Oh my God. Yeah, exactly. And it, so, How dare you know, they? and they're, you know, they, they did something real similar with uh, with what's with Tim Noakes too in South Africa. It's another you know because you know they were given they were given uh, you know Tim Noakes a bad time for telling for for making a, an offhanded comment on Twitter saying maybe you should wean the baby to low carb high fat and he got he got uh, took taken to the task for that and and again the, you know I didn't dig what into- the hell would be wrong with that yeah oh well- wait. We wouldn't have a baby who ends up being fucking obese and making pig pharma an epic amount of money. I keep forgetting. How silly can I be? Yeah. So another example is the official Italian position statement on vegan and vegetarian diets. All one needs to do is to search for any of the researchers' names in Loma Linda or John Sabate, and you'll find that most have worked directly for Loma Linda or with their scientists. There's almost nowhere where you can look into nutrition science and not find the influence of the Adventist church, in fact. Uh, Vegans like to hang their hat on a study showing vegans and vegetarians have long lifespans, but this study, too, was done by Loma Linda University Medical Center with none other than Joan Sabate as one of the researchers. Not only was the research and scientists paid for by Loma Linda University, but the test subjects were church members who eat foods peddled by the food companies owned by the church. If that is not... Oh my God, that's such correct. Corruption. By the way, we forgot to acknowledge we had an anonymous donation of 20,000 sats earlier in the show today. So thank you to the anonymous uh, booster for that. We really appreciate it. Wow, and the, yeah, I, did, I must have not. I was trying to write all that stuff down, but uh, yeah, I appreciate the, uh, all of. That's the, what I'm here for. I yeah, got your back. Yeah, exactly, because there's yeah, we we got a yeah, we got a lot of uh, uh, we got a lot of stuff here. Uh, that's right. So we guess if you got a few more things to go through, but I mean, really, if that's not a massive conflict of interest, I, I don't know what is, right? I mean, it's like you got you got uh, you got you got researchers and the you know and the subjects all you know all part of the same uh, you know all part of the same ideology. Yeah, that if that's not a conflict of instance, um, you know, I don't know what is. Um, and, and indeed, the bias of the Loma Linda researchers is overwhelming. Studies done on vegans and vegetarians that are not done by the Adventists do not yield the same positive results. Uh, and in fact, Hong Kong is one of the most longest-lived places in the world and has the highest amount of meat consumption uh, in the world, right? So yeah, right. M- maybe that's not, you know, there, there's something about that. And in fact, um, the veganism that we see in the West has been founded, funded, and promoted not as a healthful diet or as an animal rights crusade, but as a puritanical Seventh-day Adventist church religious agenda. The same can be said for most of the food produced by these processed food companies that have obvious ties to the Seventh Day Adventist Church. Uh, there's a, gr- I have a great, I'll, I'll include this picture in the show notes, but you can see that. So there are ten brands that pretty much own most of the food that's in the, that, that that's in your uh, country, and you know, in, in your uh, in your grocery store. Yeah. When well, I saw this, because this, I wanted this to be a, a cold. Uh, cold knowledge for me where I didn't know what his content was. So I'm literally hearing this for the first time with the rest of you. But when I saw the picture that he's talking about that he's going to be including in the show notes, I was I was gobsmacked, truly. 
Yeah, and it's just and it's just so there there are three companies you can you can directly trace to the the to uh, you know to the Adventist Church. The other ones, if you look at the food that they haul that they have, yeah, it's all the same kind of shit that uh, you know that Kellogg's, General Mills, and Kraft produces, right? And again, you you know it's just you know I probably I, if I had spent some more time, I probably could have gone through and found that you know found Adventist ties to all these organizations. So you know the ten biggest food producers probably you know I mean, at least three of them have. You know, one directly came from the Adventist Church. The others were, you know, very, you know, very, you know, even through all the mergers and everything. But it's, you know, there, it's, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. I could, I could have spent more time going through this and finding stuff, and it's just, it's just kind of scary. But, um, you know, here's, but here's something that, um, you know, what's not ironic at all by any of this is that one of the few negative findings on vegan and vegetarian diets is done by Loma Linda scientists with Joan Sabata on board was that vegan men have lower sperm counts. Uh, since sperm counts have been steadily falling since the widespread consumption of foods introduced by Kellogg's and the Loma Linda foods to begin with, I can only imagine that John Harvey Kellogg would be laughing with glee at the new crop of vegans who've, who style themselves as enlightened, but are un- unwitting proponents of a giant worldwide promotion of the bizarre ethics of a puritanical, even sadistic religious agenda. Oh, by the way, you know, we talk about eugenists. Yeah, the, John Harvey Kellogg was a fucking eugenist, too, right? So, you know, this is it's all part of the same scam if you get right down to it. And there's no... Well, it goes back to what we've been talking about is, you know, when when you forget history, you're bound to repeat it. These people didn't just crop up overnight. They have been generation. They have generationally existed. Yeah. So it's been, it's been, yeah, this has been going on for a long time and it goes back. And as I say, the, the, the Seventh-day Adventist church is where a lot of this stuff comes up. And so they've got this great veneer of science and everything. And it's, it's all, it, it's science, religion and everything. And if you, and you realize that vegans are very, uh, they're very religious, you know, they're almost very religious about their, uh, their eating to the point of it's like, they don't want to hear about anything else. Right. So, uh, yeah, if you, if you choose to eat vegan for whatever reason, that's great. But you know, you, you force it on other people. That's where I got a problem. And this is, this is where it gets, and so this, and so you want to talk about how successful these fuckers are at it, you know, it, it, it influencing things. Um, so I pulled up myplate.gov, which is created by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Now you'll see something interesting, and, and I'll again, I'll have links in the show notes to this. But so there's a so there's they've kind of they've kind of got you know a, so the picture's got a fork, it's got a plate that's divvied up quite a bit, and then some dairy off to the side, and it's and there's, there's a there's a section for fruits, a section for grains, a section for vegetables, and a section for protein. Uh, yeah, you got to find you got to you got to um, I think Gary Fetke said it out. You got to find a, you got to send a search party out to find the beef in this uh you know in, in these recommendations and so i i did it so again I, I dug a little bit and here's what my plate says on proteins are so all foods are made from seafood meat poultry and eggs beans peas and lentils and nuts seeds and soy products are part of the protein foods group beans peas and lentils are also part of the vegetable group select a wide variety of protein foods to get more of the nutrients your body needs and for health benefits meat and poultry choices should be lean or low fat like 93 percent lean ground beef pork loin and skinless chicken breasts choose seafood options that are higher in beneficial fatty acids omega-3s and lower in, in methyl mercury such as salmon anchovies and trout the advice to consume lean or low fat meat and poultry and a variety of seafood does not apply to vegetarians vegetarian options in the protein foods include beans peas lentils seeds and soy products so let me get this straight, y'all. They're telling you to eat more than 75% of your food from carbohydrate sources. And even many of the protein suggestions they make have carbs. And they're telling you to move to low-fat or fat-free dairy or milk yogurt or lactose, you know, lactose dairy-free, depending on what this is. So, um, yeah. Now, 
Here's here's where it all ties together. So remember that guy, Jones Sabate, that I mentioned before? Yeah, he participated in the committee that generated the 2020 Dietary Guidelines for Americans, the guidelines that ultimately led to MyPlate.gov, and uh, yeah, and so on. And it's it's kind of disgusting. So um, yeah, it's if you and I did, just just seeing that name, and I mean, I couldn't I couldn't have made this up any better. It's like yeah, so you've got a bunch. So ultimately, like the food that your government is telling you to eat is is not it's not based on science y'all it's based it's based on fucking religious ideology and and the science if you actually dig into the science it's actually pretty terrible science right and uh you know and 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 again the sad part about all of this stuff is that this is out in the open i mean i know it sounds like a freaking conspiracy theory um you know but unlike many things that we've uh you know uh, or some of these conspiracy theories i mean yeah the people in the conspiracy admitted admit that that's actually what's happening and yet we're still you know we're you know we're letting these people control our diet right and 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 make us you know let you know they're they're purposely trying to make us less virile and less be able to you know to 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 propagate it's and they're you know given that the history history these guys are a bunch of fucking eugenics assholes the same you know, by you know, they're they're eugenicists as well, right? It's like, okay, well, is that is that a shock? I mean, you know, they're well, trying to you kill know, people. Apparently, the the attempt through the food that they're pumping into people isn't working fast enough for them, and that's why this whole scam demic had to occur. Yeah, exactly, and 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 you know, we're and so ultimately, you know, and again, we got nothing against eating vegetables every now and again. It's good, to, it's good to do that from time to time. But, but um, you know, getting rid of meat, getting rid of the thing that makes you healthy, you, you know, not eating that stuff. I think it's you know, it's kind of yeah, it's kind of sick. I mean, and unfortunately, yeah, you're all are eating it up, guys. Um, you know, this there's a reason we're buying food from local farmers, and that's why we're buying, you know, that we're that we're you know we're, we're not and we're, you know the and the stuff that we're getting is just so much better. It's like the, and it's it's just but it's if you look at what the food system's producing, it's literally producing stuff that's designed to ultimately kill us. Yeah. Uh, you know, in a much slower, in a, you know, perhaps much slower, right? But it's, you know, these these guys spend so much time, like, you know, again with, you know, they're they're like, oh, we ha- we have to get everybody eating this, and even, you know, even when their founder basically said, yeah, uh, we we shouldn't be dictating this. Well, guess what? They all fucking did. So so you know, ah, he's full of shit. Well, she's full of shit anyway. That's right. So so anyway, but that's um. That's about as far as I've gotten into this. So um, I will, I'll, I'll leave it open here for just a second if anybody wants to call in on a last conspiracy theory here before we wrap it up. Um, but, or weigh uh, in on anything that we've talked about today. Yeah, so exactly. Uh, call in in the, you know, 253-237-3321. We'd love to hear from you. But, uh, you know, this was, uh, you know, and I, it's, for me, this is, it's, yeah, it sounds like a conspiracy theory, and it's, but it's not. Nobody believes it's That's a conspiracy That's what's so scary is the fact that it sounds so far-fetched, but it's actually the dead on truth yeah exactly um you know it's yeah that that's actually you know and again sir bemrose points it out it's like that if you know many of the conspiracy theories the information's out there it's you just have to go find it right um and the the, the yeah the i i think I, fi- I think i figured out the definition of a conspiracy theory it's that, that which goes against the mainstream narrative whatever the mainstream narrative is yeah i think that's a really good definition yeah, exactly. And and so, um, you know, what is it, you know, so if it goes against the mainstream, it must be a conspiracy. Well, no, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a conspiracy, although this one's pretty obvious. You start digging into it and you realize that, yeah, the, the, the Seventh-day Adventist church has got people everywhere in the, you know, you know, nutrition policy. No wonder we're not getting anywhere. So, you know, take matters into your own hands. Uh, go, you know, go, uh, you know, go, you know, ignore the dietary guidelines. And, you know, and so, but if, you know, obviously there's going to be some people that need to eat a more vegetarian diet and there's, we got nothing, we got nothing 
nothing wrong with that, but it's when when they start telling everybody that everybody has to eat a vegetarian diet. I think that's a, I got a real problem with that. So um, yeah, do do pretty much what we've been asking y'all to do all along, which is think for yourselves and don't be cookie cutter, don't be sheep. Join the wolf pack. Ow! That's right. So, all right. Well, I think uh, I think we're going to wrap it up. And uh, you know, so we we you know, God, I got there's. Uh, don't forget how we end these things. Don't we forget how we end these things? I've got it. Yeah, I got to do it. So let's do it. Jordan fades back. Swoosh, and that's the game. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. And fuck you. I'm out. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.